So today, uh, what we're talking about, it's, it's a topic that I, I wanted to talk about, but then I got perfect, like, personally victimized by it. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but when, when you're making up a message, sometimes you're like, man, people need to hear this. And many times I'm like, man, people need to hear this. And then halfway through, you're like, oh, man. This was meant for me. Like it slaps you upside the face a little bit. And so tonight we're talking about how do you deal with difficult people. And some of you are like, that's perfect because I have a lot of difficult people in my life. Some of you are like, that is all I have in my life. Some of you, some of you are like, well, they're sitting right next to me. Just no pointing tonight. No pointing tonight. Here's why. Here's why. Here's what I know is going to happen. I'm going to go through this. I'm going to talk about difficult people. I'm going to talk about all these things. You're going to realize that it's you too. You're going to realize that you're somebody else's difficult person. And so, you're saying, yeah. No clapping, no, no, no pointing. I think sometimes, though, this is where we're at. So I think sometimes we get to a place where we think that there are people in our lives that are literally on a mission to see how much we can take until we break. And I, I think we think there's people in our lives that are literally just trying to push our buttons. And we've got to figure out what is okay, how should I treat them, and how shouldn't I treat them. So there's a verse in the Bible that actually literally talks about difficult people. It's in 2 Timothy 2, 23-26. It says this. It says, again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. What does that mean? That means don't start a fight on social media. He knew it ahead of time. Timothy knew it. All right, that's actually Paul talking to Timothy. He knew it. It says, a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be kind to everyone, be able to teach, and be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts, and they will learn the truth. Then they will, they will come to their senses and escape from the day of devil's trap. What you don't do when there's difficult people is say, hey, you're just in the devil's trap. That's not how we do that. I know that some of you are like, that will be what your text message is right now. Mom, you're just in the devil's trap. No, don't do that. But they will escape from it, for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. Now, I, I want to explain this, because we're talking about difficult people, and some of you will go, well, what about those that harm? And there's a difference between difficult and harming people, okay? There's those that are difficult, and there's those that have caused harm to you that you actually do need to put up some walls and some boundaries. But I'm talking about difficult people. I'm talking about the people that are just annoying, the, the people that you're like, I don't know if I want this person in my life. And the problem today is this, is we've gotten to this place, and I've seen it all over social media. People see people say this all the time. Is like there's this idea that if someone doesn't make me happy, if someone doesn't add to me, if someone doesn't make me and put me in a place where they can move me forward in my career, then remove them from your life. There's this idea that if someone doesn't make me happy, if someone's not going to bring something to me all the time, then I should remove them from my life. And that is not true at all. In fact, that is the absolute opposite of what God says. It's the opposite of what God says. In fact, God says we're supposed to do it's totally different than that. When, when other people are pushing people away, we're supposed to be the ones bringing them in. But how do we deal with them? Well, one, we've got to realize something. We've got to realize that we live in a sinful, imperfect world, so there's always going to be difficult people. In fact, you're a difficult person, and no one's perfect. So as much as you have people in your life right now where you go, man, I wish life would be so much easier if they exited, there's people right now in your life that they need to be in your life. God has put you in their life on purpose, but they would go, life would be much easier if this person just didn't talk. And so what we've got to realize is God has relationships for us on a purpose. In fact, I believe this. I believe the reason there's difficult people, I believe why the reason why you see social media posts about moving people from your life is that's the enemy's biggest thing. They know this. They know if they remove you from relationship, 
They remove you from God. They remove you from the people he's put around you to love you, to care for you. And you'll also remove the people around you that God has used to grow you and to make you a better person. See, if you remove all the difficult people, you won't have a ministry. You don't have a ministry to people that are perfect. I mean, that'd be a great ministry, but it doesn't exist. So when we remove those people, Satan is like, this will be perfect. If I can get them alone, if I can get them to remove people that cause them any sort of problems, then they won't be alone in such a way that when I come after them, they have nobody else to fall back on. They have nobody else to be around. Because our greatest joy comes from relationships, but many times so does our greatest hurt. But we can't look at the hurt and go, it's not worth the joy. And so just for fun right now, I want to talk through some difficult people. And as I'm talking through this list, like I said, there's no pointing, there's no nudging. I, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, as I'm going through this list, to also go, maybe I may be this person too, okay? Here's the first difficult person, the hammer. This is the person that says, uh, you're wrong, I'm right, conversation's over. Babe, you're not allowed to smirk. <laughs> if, uh, you're wrong, I'm right, the conversation's over. This is the person that uses intimidation all the time. They're the one that intimidates you for you to see what their point of view is. And this is a tough person to be around. This is a person you don't even want to be around because you know they're just going to win every time. And it's, it's almost worthless to try to go against them because they're going to keep fighting. And then there's the other side of the hammer. This is the loud person. This is the person that just talks you into submission. This is the point where you go, find whatever, just please stop talking. Find whatever, just, can you just not be so loud? Just be quiet and you can have whatever you want. They're the one that constantly keep going and going and going. Or this one, you've had these people around you. The person that says everything sucks. Like they're the ones that are always down. Like they see everything bad. You say anything good, they say the opposite. You point out it's a nice day, they're like, but global warming. Like <laughs> you go, yeah, it's so awesome. This happened at work and they're like, you'll probably get fired. Like they're... They're the people that you're around, you're like, this, this is not good. Like, you don't want to. They walk towards you, and you smile, and you go, oh, I'm on the phone, and you're not really on the phone. <laughs> or this is one we probably all see, the volcano. The person that just randomly just blows up, just blows up and spews their, their, their hate, their, their words on everyone around them. This person, it just makes you unsure because you never know when it's going to happen. You're not sure what's going to make them explode. You almost live many times in a way to make sure that doesn't happen. Here's someone that, that gets to me, the oblivious. These are the people that just live in their own world and not really pay attention to anything around them. Like you tell them something, you say, hey, we need to be here at this time, this needs to happen, and they're just like, I saw a butterfly. <laughs> you know, it's the people that are like, they're, they're the people that if they didn't have to have the time on their iPhone, they would erase it. Because they just, they're just living this life, and it's, you know, we're just going on. And so if you are on a team with them, like if you're at school and you're on a team with them to get a project done, you're like, okay, well, you just don't need to do anything. We'll just get that done. It, it, it's the people, they can just drive you insane. Or, or the person that's the mute, the person that uses silence to get their way. Like the moment anything goes wrong, they're just like, fine, I won't talk. And you're like, come on, let's talk. Come on, boy, like what's going on? And they just stay quiet, and they manipulate the world around them through silent treatment. Or the perfectionist, they're always looking at the smallest things. They point out every minute little detail that's wrong with you, with your life, with everything that's going on around you. Or this is one that really gets me, the whiner. This is the person that complains and pouts to get their way. They constantly stay in a bad mood until the other person gets in and they get what they want. They realize that they can whine and pout. 
This one's really toxic is the user, the person that uses guilt to control other people. And then one that I think we've seen is the garbage collector. The person that holds on to everything that's ever happened to them bad in their life and then will dump it into every situation that they come into, every conversation. This is the person that you are much older now, but they remind you of something you did when you were five. And you're like, I was five. They're like, but you knew what you were doing. <laughs> they constantly bring stuff up. Now, here's the truth, though. When these people enter our lives, we still get to choose how we respond. Nobody can tell us how to respond. And what we have to realize is they actually see the world through a different lens. Some of them have a, a lens of magnification where everything is distorted. It's the people that if something's good, it's overly good. But if it's bad, it's overly bad. Or what I see a lot of right now is the lens of offense, where everything they see in this world is through different lens of offense that's happened in their life. Everything that you say is not what you say. It's, it's seen as what you say through a lens of offense that's happened in their life. And so you deal with that offense, and then you go, okay, now we can move on. They're like, yeah, but there's something else. And they bring up more and more, and it's never a way that you can get away from the offense that they feel. Or there's people that are just the lens of me. They believe this. All I ever see is me, so I believe that the story of this movie is my life. Uh, everything that, that happens only affects me. It doesn't matter how it affects other people. In many ways, what happens is people look through these different lenses, and what we have to realize is their, their vision, what they see is distorted. And so we have to realize that as we go into it, we have to choose how to respond in that way. We have to choose to respond in a way that we can understand what's going on not respond in a way that severs the relationship. See, here's what happens when difficult people come into our lives and they hurt us. We can, we can choose. We can live wounded. We can just walk around wounded. And some of us have done that. Probably all of us have done this. We walk around wounded. We let everybody else know that we're wounded. And we carry it with us. Or we just rehearse it over and over again. We, we make it worse in our mind over and over again. We relive the situation over and over again. We relive what we would have said over and over again if we could do it again. Or we just send it right back. We respond. We go, they hurt me. I'm going to hurt them. Or we can do it differently. Here, here's the truth. Relationships are fragile. They are. You guys know this. You can work on a relationship your entire life and in a moment trust can be lost. Relationships can cause deep Wounds. So we need God, a God that's perfect, to help us understand what we should do. So the first thing we have to do is this. We have to take a step back and realize this, that we can't make everyone happy. Some of you in here need to realize that. Some of you are already giving up on that. So you don't need to hear that point, but we do. We need to step back and go, I can't make everyone happy. In fact, we see Jesus doing the same thing in John 5.30. He says, I can do nothing on my own. I judge as God tells me. Therefore, my judgment is just because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. Jesus lived a perfect life. He was a perfect person, and people still did not like him. Jesus dealt with difficult people on a regular basis. So if not everyone liked the perfect person, Jesus, guess what? There's going to be people that don't like you. There's going to be people that no matter what you do, no matter how hard you try, you can't make them happy. There's a freedom to that. There's a freedom to that, but that doesn't mean that we quickly just discard people off to the side the moment we stop trying. It's we try what we can, and then when we realize it's not going to happen, then we go, that's fine. Even Jesus had people that didn't like him. And we can go, you know what? I can't make everyone happy. And then the second thing we do is we don't play their game. Here's what I mean by that. We don't fall into the trap that they're setting for us. Because some people know your buttons, man. They know exactly what to say. They can send a one-word text, and it will cause you to, your entire day to be awful. We can fall into that game so quickly. In John 2, 24, the Pharisees were trying to trap Jesus. It says, but Jesus didn't trust them because he knew all about people. 
He wouldn't be pulled into their lies. He wouldn't be pulled into their manipulation. He goes, I'm just going to take a step back. This is so easy, and we see this all the time on social media, on news sites, on all kinds of things where somebody says one thing, somebody goes off in another way, and it keeps going back and forth. We, we, you have this all the time through text messages. This is why I believe that texting should be limited to where you're going to be and what you're going to do, and everything else should be at least a phone call. Because how many times do we mess that up? How many times does somebody send us something and we're pissed off and they're like, what? That was sarcasm. Because there's no sarcasm emoji. There needs to be one. There needs to be one. Or we should just talk to people. That, that would be the other thing. But here's what we do. We don't need to get caught up in it. Some of you have family members that love to catch you up in it. That love to set the trap. What we have to do is we have to step back and go, I know exactly what you're doing. I'm not going to do it. And I'm actually going to rise above it. I'm going to rise above it so I can actually see what's going on. Because this is tough. Because when gossip and envy and anger are all around us, that's what we want to do. We want to have gossip. And we want to be angry. And we need to let everyone know what's happening. But what we have to do is we have to rise above it and realize what's actually happening. Because when we realize what's actually happening, we can actually do the next point, which for me is the hardest, is we don't retaliate. We don't retaliate. In 1 Peter 3, 9 it says, don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. See, I'm good with the don't repay evil for evil, but come on, Jesus, like seriously? Like, don't, but hey, instead of repaying evil, give them a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. I would much rather retaliate. I am, that's my personality type. I'm somebody that goes over the top. My, my personality type, actually, are my biggest fear, according to my personality profile, is being harmed by others. And so my entire life, what I've done is if someone harms me, I go above and beyond so it never happens again. They're like, don't mess with that guy. For example, at Clash Camp. <laughs> I went to my guy's room, I had, I had seniors, and I saw cans of uh, shaving cream on their bed. And I know what that's for. And I know one of the things you do is you mess with the counselor. So I walk in, I go, guys, here's the deal. I know you've had counselors before. I know many of them have gone back and forth with you. I won't do that. If you shaving cream me, I will call your parents and tell them you're addicted to drugs. That's what I'll do. And literally one of the kids was like, I'm like, guys, I want to have fun. If you want to shaving cream that guy over there, I'm cool with it. Just don't do it to me. They're like, wow. That's, that's pretty serious. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's probably a little much. But with people, I, I would go, oh, you have to be nice to somebody. I would rather, many times, I would rather lose the relationship than try to keep it because at that point, I'm more afraid of you hurting me than what I'm, when I'm hurting you. I mean, think about Jesus, how he could have retaliated. I mean, what's amazing to me is you live a perfect life. You die for everybody's sins, and people are laughing and mocking you. Like, if I'm Jesus, look, I'm up on the cross, I'm at least going to do something. Like, I may not come off the cross because I'm going to save the world, but I'm going to, like, make it so everyone that's laughing at me loses all bladder control. Like, I'm going to do something. Like, I, I'm going to do something that makes them realize they shouldn't have done this. But what does Jesus do? He says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Why was he able to do that? Because he, he raised above it. He saw what was going on. He saw what their minds were thinking, why they were doing the things that they were doing. And he decided it's more important for me in the future to have a relationship with them than it is for me to be right or retaliate right now. See, 
what did he do at that point? He released it. He gave it to God. And that's sometimes what we have to do. Guys, there's going to be a point with many people where you're like, none of this is working. I'm trying. I'm loving them. Where you just release them to God. And here's what releasing them to God means. It doesn't mean just going, I give up on you. You're gone. It's going, I can't do this. I don't have the ability to reach them at this point, but I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to pray for them because guess what? The only person that can help you at this point, well, actually the entire point was not me. It was God. Anyway, Matthew 5, 44 says, but I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who make fun of you. Pray for those that are mean to you. Here's what happens. When you actually pray for someone, when you actually pray for someone who is hurting you, you see them much, much differently. See, God, God's not looking to cause them harm. Many times we pray for people we don't like, but it's for God to, you know, hey, please bring your anger and wrath against them. It's those things. But we actually pray for them and love them. See, when you choose to pray for someone, you see them differently. See, most of the time what we do is we demonize people in our hearts. When we pray for them, we actually can see how God sees them. When we pray for them, we see how much grace and mercy that they need. We realize how much we need in our own lives, and they need that same amount. And here's what happens most of the time when we pray for people. God gives us a little bit of insight into the pain and the things they have going on in their life that cause them to react that way. Because the longer I've been in ministry, the more I realize everyone reacts a certain way, not because they're bad, not because they're awful people, but because they've experienced that same pain in their own life. And they're just repeating what they've seen their whole life. See, we don't like to see that, though. It's, it's, it's kind of like this. I want to tell you guys a story about how my friend Ryan almost got killed on a bus, figuratively. Um, and almost literally. So we're sixth, seventh grade. We're on a bus. We're going to school. Um, we're in middle school. So middle schoolers say dumb things. That's just a normal thing. But when you're in middle school, you don't realize that. And so we're on the bus, and we're going along. My friend Ryan's sitting next to me. And we pull up next to this bus, and next to, and over in the other bus next to us, the kids are literally going nuts. They're up against the wall, like they're putting their face on it, like they're going crazy. And he looks over and he goes, oh my gosh, what's wrong with those kids? They're a bunch of, and they use the wrong word for mentally handicapped. At that point, all the girls on the bus look at him and start hitting him. Because they're like, they are. And they look over and on the bus, it said, school for, and he was like, oh my and literally, Ryan couldn't ride the bus the rest of the year. Like, he felt like a horrible person. He apologized to everyone, all that kind of stuff. Here, here's, what, here's what happened there. See, when we know there's an underlying situation, we realize why they act the way they do. When we're hurt, when we're in pain, we don't act the way we normally would. I mean, foster care has shown me this. Because going into foster care, I'll be honest with you, I, I, I realized we were going to love the kids, but I always felt like we were going to hate the parents. I always felt like we were going to be in a place where how dare you do something where you lose your kids? How dare you do something where you put your kids in danger? Like, I don't understand how you could possibly do that. And then you get in and you meet the families, you meet the moms, and you realize they're only doing what has been done to them. They're only doing what is normal to them. They don't have the ability to even see the world the way that we do because of the pain and the abuse that's happened in their life. Now, does that make it all okay? But no, but when I see it and I understand it, I realize that that's a real person there that God absolutely loves that needs some healing from the pain they have. See, guys, what we have to do when we go into situations, when we go in and we see what's going on around us, 
is we have to realize that the way reason someone's difficult in our lives is because there's something underneath. There's something underneath they need to be loved for. There's something underneath they need healing from. Something underneath they need freedom from. There's something there that need, need help from. And it's not our job to look at them and decide who they are. Because here's what we do so many times. We label. Labeling is the easiest way to stop caring. Because what we do is we go, this person is this. And once we label them, we decide they no longer deserve our care and our love. But here's the problem with labeling is we decide who they are in Christ. This is great. So many of us in here have been forgiven for so much. So many of us in here, God's changed our hearts. But when we label somebody, we say God can't even change your heart. God can't even make you a better person. God can't do anything there. Now, does that mean that you need to come alongside some of these people that have hurt you? No, that's not what it means. But we don't label them. We pray for them. We care for them in the way that we can. But we've got to realize only God is the one that can afford us, that can show us that pain in their lives. That's why we have to respond with redemption in mind. Like when we respond to somebody, we have to respond to somebody knowing that it's possible for God to change them. Knowing that it's possible for God to make them new. We don't respond to somebody as someone that's a lost cause. Ephesians 4.32 says it this way. It says, instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So many times I, I think I look at situations and I go, yeah, I'm not going to forgive that person. And God goes, um, I've forgiven you a lot more. Or the older you get, the real, more you realize that other people in your life have, have forgiven you even more. Like the people closest to me have had to forgive me more than anybody else. And there's times where I look at this and I told you I felt totally convicted in the sermon. Absolutely convicted because I am someone that quickly draws lines. Draws lines and goes, you're either on this side or you're on the other side. You're either for my side or you're not. And if you're against me, then I'm going to help you understand that you're against me and we're going to move on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make fun of you. I'm going to do whatever it is that I need to do in order to kill this relationship because I don't want to be hurt again. And what we do is we separate ourselves from people that God's put in our lives on purpose. As if, if you've ever had friendships, family members, all of that, you know that there's going to be difficult people in our lives. And what we're going to do is we have that hurt, we have that pain, we have a choice. We have a choice. We can rehearse it over and over again. We can hang on to it. Or we can ask for freedom from it, we can heal from it, and we can help the person that's there with us. Because it is never, in God's eyes, an okay thing to just go, I'm going to remove everyone in my life that doesn't bring me happiness. Yeah. And here's what I believe. I believe everyone in here right now has someone in mind. They've got someone on their mind right now. They've got someone that they need to allow back or they need to reach back out to. And here's my guess, too. You also know someone in mind right now that you've been a difficult person for. There's somebody in your life right now that's actually loved you through a lot of stuff that you need to say thank you to. You say thank you for the way that you treated me, and so because of that, I'm going to help and love somebody else. Because difficult people are a part of life. But here's the deal. That's what God wants. God set us up for relationship. Our entire ministry is relationship. So if we do what God says, or we separate ourselves from the situation, we see it the way he sees it, and we see the pain, we see the hurt, and we pray for them, we have the opportunity to respond in such a way that that person no longer is a difficult person to us, that person is a healed person that can heal somebody else. Let's pray. 
God, we thank you. God, I don't really thank you for difficult people, but God, we know that that's a part of life. God, we know that they're going to be in our lives. And God, I pray tonight that as you put those people in our hearts, God, I pray that we, we pray about it. We see the way we need to open back up. God, I pray that we reach out and we encourage those around us that we haven't encouraged. God, I pray that we realize the areas that we've been difficult to others, the ways that we've been unfair, the ways that we've been sabotaging our own relationships. And God, I pray that you point those out to us. God, I pray that you continue to surround us with people that love us and care for us, but also people that we need to love and care for. And God, I pray that's what we see it as, as a ministry, not as something we need to avoid. God, we thank you for that, and in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.